I'm just going to, before we pray, I'm going to read verses 3 through 12. And this is what Jesus said. He said, listen. He started off with the word listen. A farmer went out to plant some seed and he scattered it along his field. And some of the seed fell on a footpath and the birds came and ate it. Other seeds fell on the shallow soil with underlying rock. The seed sprouted quickly because the soil was shallow. But the plant soon withered or wilted in the hot sun. And and since it didn't have deep roots, it died. Other seed fell among the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants. So they produced no grain. So other seeds fell on fertile soil and they sprouted and grew and produced a crop that was 30 Sixty and even a hundred times as much as had been planted. And then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and, and with others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. He replied, you're permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. And this is from Isaiah Chapter 6, 9 through 10. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, asking Him to guide us as we look through His Word and at the same time ask His protection and provision and strength for those who watch over and protect us. And I want to ask Joe, if you would, leave us in a quick word of prayer before we begin. I have eight jars. Henry, come here. Dig your finger as far as you can down into that jar. Now, don't break your finger. Okay? You can't. Now, this isn't concrete. It's, well, it's concrete. It's thin set. It's the closest thing I have because we've been tiling at our house. So, this is the closest thing I have. I want to... That's that's going to be our road. Okay? So, you're in charge of the road. Does anybody, does anybody want to feel the pathway? Anybody want to get just... Because sometimes it's not just hearing something and seeing something. Sometimes it's a sense of touch. So I, I, I need 10 people who would raise their hand. Henry's going to bring this around to let you try it. Actually, here, go to let your brother try because I have two. So here, I'll let Clay, since he's volunteered first. Here, I'll let you go around to a few other people who want to just feel. There's something about feeling something. So that's the path. When Jesus said the the the, the seed was cast along the pathway, it hits something hard. Now, it may have been a dirt path that people just kept traveling on, therefore nothing could really grow. Or it may have been a road. We, we find that when Jesus is at this time teaching, they're not just sitting in the middle of an open field. So many people had gathered around that Jesus actually moved out onto a lake, onto a boat to teach them. Now, there have been some people who make a big deal about that. They said, well, this is the genius of who Jesus is because he knew his voice would reflect across the water and people would hear him a lot better. I just personally think that he got out there on the boat because it was a little bit more practical. Because so much of a crowd was gathering around him, his fame was beginning to grow. Unless they wanted to swim, they weren't going to be behind him and he could concentrate on what he was going to teach. So he talked to them and he said there was a a farmer who went out to plant seeds. And some of it went along the pathway. Zane, I know you've you've had cows and different livestock. Have you ever tried to grow grow grain on a road? Have you ever it won't work, will it? It just it's not going to go anywhere. 
That's the first stop. The second stop where the, the grain landed was on some very, oh, Henry's already nodding. He's like, yeah, okay. Was onto some thin soil. Now, reach in there, dig in. Can you get to the dirt a little bit? Even if you take a few rocks out, get to the dirt. Or can you tell what that kind of dirt is? Uh, what does it look like? Sand. It is sand. It's masonry sand. So if anybody needs some brick laid at their house, it's got that much sand in it. You're trying to get to it, right? You can touch it. You can't plant anything in sand. Now, grass will grow through sand. If you look at our yard in Marlow, you can see grass growing, among other things, growing through the sand. But it won't take root in the sand. It's too thin. Jesus talked about there was some more seed that was scattered. Anybody else want to just kind of feel the rocks? Just feel the rocks, how they're loose. Clay, here, I'll let you go around. Just raise your hand. Hi, thanks for volunteering, Clay. I will volunteer you any time to do something. All right, there you go. So we have rocks. The funny part about the sand is that I kept trying to think, oh, more and more sand. I just gave up because it just kept sinking to the bottom. That jar is actually full of rocks, but the sand is all around it. it. If it was filled all the way, it would look like just a jar of sand, but it's rocky. You're not going to grow anything. You might get a little something to sprout in it. Ethan had to be a part of the science fair. They required all the sixth graders in Marlowe to be and make a science fair entry this year. And during his experiment was to see if sunlight affects the growth of plants, which we all know it does. But it was to actually see two different things. And we set two potted plants a foot apart in our house. Just one foot. Twelve inches of sunlight. One was on a windowsill. And one was just behind the wall. They were both in our kitchen. Same amount of soil, same amount of seeds, same soil depth, same amount of water every day. The plant in the sunlight got to be five inches. The plant with no sunlight sprouted. It sprouted. Even in bad conditions, something might sprout. But if it doesn't have everything it really needs... Or continually get what it needs, it dies. One of the great ironies of this experiment was actually the plant that was sitting with no sunlight sprouted first. At one time it had four sprouts, four little bitty basal leaf sprouts. Then after about a month, in of all months, the month of December when we did this, by the time middle of January, those little sprouts started to wither. I mean, we would give them water and they would spring up a little bit. And about two days later, you could just see them go back. And I so bad a few times wanted to switch them. Because I started feeling really sad about this little bitty plant. I'm like, I just like, come on, buddy. Come on. You know. But it's the scientific process. Anyways, um, so we have that. Now, the next jar I have doesn't have soil in it. And to me, it smells. And I'm probably going to be sneezing the rest of the day because of this. Behind our house is a cotton field and in the middle of the cotton field you have these twigs because they've already harvested but other than a tiny piece of the bottom there's no cotton on the brown twigs like there should be imagine if that was a cotton plant growing and it was growing amongst weeds and the stalk is there everything is there for it to grow it has the soil it has the sunlight. It has all the conditions. It even has the structure. But yet, because what is growing around it is choking it out, 
it can't produce fruit. Now, Pastor Brad, years ago, uh, I want to say it's 1998 or 1999, wrote an article for a, a theological journal here. I'm, okay, all right, Henry, here you go. I can tell he's like, you know, let me see that journal. Look at that. If anybody else wants to see it, just kind of look at it. Feel the dryness of those twigs. They're dry. They're dead. Anybody? They're like, no. Because everybody's like, ah, that's kind of gross. No, Gene's sure. Gene will give it a try. All right. Here you go, Clay. Here's another one. Just I'll let you look at it. Here you go. Um, he's like, yeah, I don't want to touch that. Yeah, trust me. It was gross yesterday when I pulled the weeds out. I'm going to send uh, Mr. Mahaffey a little bit of money. I mean, not a little bit of money, a bill for me pulling weeds out of his cotton field yesterday. Um, all the right conditions. All the right conditions. Yet it doesn't produce fruit. Brad, Brad again, what I was going to say, Brad wrote a really good journal article. We'll put it online um, on the church website where the sermon will be if you guys want to look at it. It's about 13 pages. And it breaks down this parable. But what he says about the rocky soil and the soil amongst the weeds. Somebody already sneezing? Do we need to take these away? I'll move them, I'll move them further. Look. Look, it's kind of got a two-tiered effect. How about that? There we go. Um, the, uh, is really interesting. And I, and I just want to, I don't want to go into that too much. I'd rather you, you read his words than me try to do my best to repeat him. So we have soil, which really isn't soil. It's a pathway. Nothing absolutely can happen. Something begins to happen, but quickly it dies, and then all the conditions are right. The soil is actually good, except for everything around it. And then we have good soil. Now, this is this this is the fun stuff. There's a little bit of clay in it, but mostly here, clay. I'll let you go first this time. This is the fun stuff. This is dirt. This is one of my favorite toys as a child. Um, feel that. And am I? Is it a little bit moist? Oh, yeah. Just slightly. It just, just feels good. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it, dirt. See, only a, only a. Well, there might be some girls who, but only a guy would be like, "Yeah, dirt feels good." It just it just does. You get it in your beard. You don't want to. You don't want to wash. You're just like, "Oh yeah, dirt." Oh, bump. All right, Henry, here, come get this one. Now, this one's the best one. This is good. Dirt, a little bit of clay. That one's really fine. I was shaking that one. You know, that's good. Here, I'll let you open it. There you go. But feel it. Connor, how does that feel? Like dirt. Feels like dirt. <laughs> does it feel soft? It actually feels nice. How many of you like to garden or plant flowers? I mean, good clean dirt is awesome. Good clean dirt. You can have clean dirt, can't you? You absolutely can have clean dirt. Good clean dirt is awesome. Just not when it's on your lettuce. That just totally messes with it. You're like, I like this dirt, but not here. You know? <laughs> Or when you you know you've been like working outside in the wind blowing. I know every time we've gone to New Mexico or Arizona, and it's sand. You know when you get dirt or sand in your mouth, and you're like, you go to eat a sandwich after you've been working outside, and you bite down, and you go, "Wow, this ham is crunchy." <laughs> it's the dirt. Who knows why? Who knows why he chose this? Who knows? I mean, it could have been that the people that day were passing down a pathway to get where Jesus was, and there was a road 
There were weeds and thorns on one side, you could imagine, or maybe even rocks, rocky ground on the other, and maybe they passed by a big wheat field. Or maybe they even on their way there had passed by a field and you could see where it was growing good and growing poorly and not at all. For whatever reason, Jesus used this visual aid and it was in their minds. That's one of those things I, I, I truly believe about our Savior. When he said, consider the birds of the sky, I truly believe there were probably birds flying overhead. When he said, look at the lilies of the field, there were probably more than likely lilies growing in the field right by them. So he uses something that is that they can see to talk about the kingdom. And really this parable, and, and why, why a parable? And the disciples ask him, David, if we would go to the next slide, why a parable? It's because, because they, people can hear the message, but the message has to be added and connected to faith in Jesus Christ. Just hearing the message isn't enough. It's not just head knowledge. It's heart and mind. It's truly trusting and believing in something. You are all trusting in the chairs you are sitting on. You are. Who just lifted their feet off the ground? I saw Sonia do. Anybody else lift their feet off the ground? I'm going to see how well I can trust this. But we do. I trust this stage when I go stand behind it. We're on this. I trust this, that it's not going to fall through. I trust the guy who built it. I don't know him. I know the guy who built this step. His name's Robert. I saw him building it. But I don't know who built this, but I trust that it's there. And that's what faith is. It's not just hearing about something. It's it's truly, truly believing in it and trusting it. And that's why he spoke in parables. He said, because there are some kingdom things that you'll understand just as I begin to talk to them, talk about them, even using an illustration like this. Now, there are moments where Jesus has to explain it. There's moments when he completely explains it with it. There are moments when he just leaves it out there for them to take and interpret of what it means about the kingdom. But he's telling them it has to be added in. When he, when he quotes Isaiah, he's quoting the, the Greek translation of it. And he says, when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. Those are those who, who don't believe, who don't trust. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. But otherwise, there will be those. And they will turn to me and be forgiven. For those who make that connection, this will make sense. So as we read and get into this parable, I want you to understand the big overlying idea of what this is. This is about not seeds going in a field and about who's worthy and unworthy and about who will believe and who will not believe. This parable, more than anything, is about God's grace to mankind. Because the message is given no matter what the soil looks like. Everyone's given that chance. Everyone's given that opportunity. Everyone, I believe, one way or the other, I can't explain how he's going to do it. I don't know. I just trust that it's true. Because if a child at age seven can understand it like I was, somebody who's only heard the gospel one time has that opportunity and that chance to understand it just as well. We're all given that opportunity. And that's why this is really about God's grace and how 
abundant it is and how far reaching it is because our grace is not. Even on our best days. On our best days, we just look out for this perfect ideal conditions when really we should be praying for this a lot of times and hoping that somebody can move from this to this. So let's look at the parable. Dave, you will. Let's, let's look at three things. Three types of soil. So it's thrown to a footpath. The, the footpath is hard. And the message finds no way past the exterior. When Jesus goes to, to explain this, it's in verse 15, and he says, The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message only to have Satan come at once and take it away. When we lived in Kansas City, we, we had a neighbor across the street. Jack probably doesn't remember him because he was young, but I'm sure Shauna does. His name was Damon. He's a really nice guy. Just as nice as he could be. He's constantly asking us if we needed something. He didn't even call me by my first name. He called me pastor. He didn't go to our church at all. He didn't go to any church at all because Damon was an atheist. There was nothing I could do, I felt, a lot of the time. Never gave up. But I was really discouraged every time I tried to share any bit, small or large of faith with him. Because of things in his past and things that he had chosen to believe, the exterior got rocky. I have family members who are atheists and agnostics who choose to mock Christians. And no matter what we say or do, it's rocky. At least at the moment. But it feels that way all the time. There's one of them that shows little bitty, little bitty signs because she'll ask us to pray for her. Not many atheists ask you to pray for her, but when she's, when she grew up in a Christian home, that's what she does. At least that's what she claims that she is. There are those who, the message, can y'all hear that? That's starting to hurt. (laughs) But I keep doing it, yeah. (laughs) Not that smart. Um, But the truth is, is that even those who aren't going to receive it still deserve to hear it. I love how Jesus says Satan is like a bird. He just comes and plucks it up. When he talks about the farmer, he says the birds come along and eat the seeds. Jesus refers to the adversary and says he quickly comes only to have him come along and just take it away. But they still hear the message. And then there's the rocks. Anybody ever seen a, a plant grow in a really weird spot? Not a driveway. Now, every once in a while I wonder, okay, who's the bright person who said, you know, when we put our house here, I really like that tree, so let's make the driveway just fork around it. They obviously don't have teenage drivers at that moment. I really think it's funny when you see that same house a few years later and the tree has been like cut down, okay, and all that's left is a stump, and you wonder, did the tree die or did they get tired of it getting hit? And I'm not talking like an oak. I'm talking like a tree that's probably only like 10 inches at the most at the bottom in diameter. I mean, it's just not not much. Have you ever seen a plant grow and you're like, why is that 
growing there. When we, um, Christmas, <laughs> we, uh, our neighbors next door to us, um, George and Elva, when we first moved into the house, they had a pumpkin patch. And some of y'all know George and Elva Cosper. They have a, they had a pumpkin patch growing underneath their pine tree. I'm like, why in the world is there a pumpkin patch? Maybe she just likes it for decoration. So we were there and they kept getting bigger and bigger. The vines were almost growing across the little drainage culvert up into our yard. They would come back and they would move the vines. They would keep them growing, but they would move the vines back. Come to find out the previous Easter, not Easter, Easter, but the previous Halloween into Thanksgiving, they'd have the pumpkins and they had them carved. And then for Thanksgiving, they turned them around. And they just left them out there. Well, then it got really cold. And then it snowed a lot. And those pumpkins slowly rotted to the ground. And they cleaned them up, but they didn't realize that with all the rain and the wet and stuff, some of the seeds inside had gotten down to the ground. And then Duncan got a record, record amount of rainfall, which it takes a lot of water to grow pumpkins. Then lo and behold, March and April roll around, and there are pumpkin, I guess, vines growing along the ground. I was like, did you plan this? And before Elva could say anything, George goes, no. And they will not be there next year. I mean, you could just see it like, like this is a mistake. Perfect conditions. Growing in a weird spot. The other day we were just working up at the house and I looked over against the garage where we're just going to have some rock, a rock planter, and there's the biggest weed. And I should have taken a picture of it because there's nothing but rocky. Mostly it's a bunch of chunks of concrete around that spot. And there's this big green weed growing out of the ground. I mean, it's bigger than the palm of my hand. It's huge. And I'm like, where did that come from? Because I'm here every day. That was like overnight. Out of nowhere, and of all things, up against the foundation. I mean, there's a whole lot of yard, but right there. Remember my grandparents' house, they had a, they had a creek, and in that creek bed, plant, like you'd get a shoot of something growing up here and there among the rocks, the dry spots up on the, on the sides, you would have like just a stalk of something coming up out of nowhere. I mean, plants will find a way to grow even in a little bit of soil. But if they can't go deep enough, that little bit of life soon wilts. Jesus explained it like this. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message. This is verse 16. And what does it say? Immediately receive it with what? Joy. These people believe. These people actually believe in it. They're like, yes, the gospel is good news. God's message is good news. But since they don't have deep roots, since something is missing, they quickly fall away. And they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. I see that a lot. I see that a lot with teenagers who make that profession of faith. I've seen it after years and after years that somebody says, I believe, and just a little bit of kickback from family or friends, and they shy away from what they've truly professed. 
because they don't have that root. Some of us are blessed. Well, not say the word lucky. I will say blessed. How many of you have been in church as long as you can remember? I mean, birth on. Deep roots. You were being taught what you believed before you believed. Those are deep roots. And that's what's happened. That's why there's people when they, when they receive the gospel that we need to come along and help them get rooted. We need to come along and help maybe remove some of those rocks and give them good soil. Because it's a shame to see something just wilt away. When I watch that little bitty, little bitty basil sprig, I was rooting for it, man. I was like, I want to disprove sunlight. Just wanna. I was rooting for it. It never got over about three-eighths to half of an inch. It never did. Now, it was missing sunlight, not roots. It had everything it needed for roots. But I wonder sometimes if there's those people who just, they really need more of our help. And a lot of times we as Christians stand back and say, well, what was the deal? They believed and they don't. What's wrong? Maybe they needed our help to sit in there. Jesus says after a little bit of persecution, after a little bit of, uh, where's the word that he uses, uh, problems or persecution, they, for believing in God's word, they wilt away. The way that it's described in the illustration is that they die. The third one, it's the thorns. I wasn't able to get thorns. And I'm very thankful that I wasn't able to. You know, when I reached down to pull those weeds, I was like, I'm not wearing gloves. Have you ever reached down to pull something and you find something you weren't expecting? Like a thorn? And it goes in and it breaks off and it's there for a few days and you're like, I don't even see it. I just know it's there and you can just feel it. It's right under the skin. I have a splinter right here. Right here, Trey. Right there. I can feel it. I see a little bit of a dot. I've been digging at this thing. Shauna has dug at this thing. We cannot find it. I'm just, I think it's going to have to work its way out, and I'm just going to have to deal with it. Jesus says the plant grows, but thorns are growing with it. So imagine that, if you've ever seen that. And I'm not talking about a rose. A lot of times when I think of thorns, I think of a rose bush. But behind our house over here, we in the woods, not too far in, actually in the easement, which is still ours to mow, there's a huge a huge weed. I don't even think it should be considered a shrub or a bush. It's probably just an overgrown weed. And it's got thorns on it over an inch long. And you can tell when Jack and Ethan get back there to mow, mostly Jack when he gets back there to mow, because the line is straight, and when you get to that bush, it curves. <laughs> we don't like thorns, because we don't like pain. But imagine, imagine that plant growing up, and it's starting off good. And everything looks good. Imagine if if you've ever planted something and you're like, oh man, that looks so great. Then all of a sudden something else starts growing up next to it. Or if you've ever had clover in your yard. Yeah. That stuff spreads. If you've ever had it in the grass, like that Bermuda or St. Augustine, we had that in Ada and that's beautiful, man. Or you have that fescue, that really good grass, and then all of a sudden you see that one thing growing in it you just don't want. And you're just like, oh! And you're thinking, what can I do beyond Roundup? 
Because you don't want that yellow patch. But you know something has to happen. It's that one thing, that last thing, that one thing that you just don't need there. Well, that's what Jesus describes. The conditions are perfect. Everything is there. Everything you need. And then that one other thing is growing. That one other thing that stands in the way and it begins. I, it's a very vivid illustration that Jesus uses. He says to choke out. It says other seed fell among the thorns and grew up and choked out the tender plants so they produced no grain. When he goes on to explain it, look in verse 18. He said the seed that fell among the thorns represents those who, who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of life. By the lure of wealth and the desire for other things so the fruit is not produced. The faith is there. But the questions and the compromise and the but the the hesitations of faith that some people begin to have to not truly follow Jesus 100% begin to happen. So imagine a plant growing, a tree growing, with no fruit on it. Yeah, that would be sad. My uncle had apple trees. And we knew which trees they were. Imagine that tree sitting there with no, or if you saw a tree and you knew a tree was supposed to have apples, and you have a good apple tree and a good apple tree, and the apple tree in the middle is just blank. It'd feel like a waste of space almost. It'd be good for shade, maybe a few things, but those apples are missing that fruit. Ultimately, what you want from it is not there. It chokes it out, but it's not killed. It just doesn't produce fruit. It's there, but it's not fulfilling its full purpose of what it could do. And then finally, he gets to the good soil. That's the it's not quite the right time of year to have a fruit producing uh, anything, at least from behind our house. Um, but this dirt feels good. It does. I'll wash my hands, don't worry. It smells good. I like playing in the dirt. I like finding those little chunks and you just break them. Yeah, Clay's nodding. He's like, I already did that. But man, imagine the good soil. And in those right conditions, the farmer... He plants it. And the crop begins to come up. And and Jesus describes it. The seed that fell on the fertile soil, they sprouted. They grew and they produced a crop that was 30. That was 60. And even a 100 times as much as had been planted. That's a good crop. That's a good crop when it does more than you expect it to do. I mean, it's a good crop when it just does what you hope it will do. But all of a sudden, you notice the exponential. You go from no fruit to more than you ever thought you could find. All because the conditions are right. Jesus describes it as this. He said, the seed that fell on the good soul represents those who hear and accept God's word and produce a harvest of 30 and 60 and 100 times as much as had been Planted. The parable is about God's grace and the application is about what we can do with God's grace. 
It's God's grace. Everybody gets that message. It's how it's received and applied. Either your life represents the stubbornness of saying no to God's word. Or the stubbornness of saying yes to God's word, but not following through with it. Of giving up on it all too easy. When, a, when it gets a little bit uncomfortable, when life doesn't completely go your way, we, Sean and I was talking to me yesterday about a question one of the kids in the youth group asked, and there are hard questions that kids ask all the time, that teenagers ask all the time. Why this? Why would this happen? Why? And sometimes it's those questions that cause this to happen without somebody to give them an honest answer. Was that a youth conference? Um, uh, Sean McDowell, who's uh, Josh McDowell's son, was speaking. And he was talking about the apologetic side of youth ministry. And he said, you know what the single greatest answer in youth ministry that we've all felt so much pressure never to say, but we should have been saying for years is? And the room got silent. And he said, I don't know. He said, we should have been saying, I don't know years ago and adding this. I don't know. But we'll look for the answer together. Too much of the time we leave people on their own with their questions. And we just let them fall by the wayside. Rather than helping them. Rather than helping their soul go from one thing to the next. There's the ones who have that chance. And everything's going good. But something stops the progress. Whether it's personal sin, whether it's pressure, whether it's just they just feel comfortable enough and they become complacent. They're like, well, I've grown enough as a believer, I'll just coast from here on out. Whatever happens is the, the fruit never comes. I mean, we all want to do this. And if, if I was to ask you, where's your soil? I, I think we all would hope that it's right here. Brad and I were talking the other day about this and he wanted to know kind of where I come from. And I, and I said, you know, I, we can look at our lives as a whole. And I would, and I would think most of the people in this room probably have really good soil. But I would ask, is there maybe an area of your life that there might be a little thorn growing? Maybe a little area of your life where maybe the soil is good, but you're not fully trusting. Or maybe there's an area of, area of your life where you hide back from fully believing in God. Maybe maybe on the outside everything looks fine, but maybe there really are some stony things that you just aren't letting God's Word penetrate into. Because I know I can be that way sometimes. There are some things that are easy to trust God in, at least for me. There are some things that it's tough. It is. And I have to push through sometimes. And sometimes he, I feel like I've got my foot out and he's dragging me down the path to say, no, we're going to learn this together. I know as stubborn as you want to be, James. And I'm just being fully open with you. Sometimes I can be a little stony. Sometimes the weeds grow up a little bit. A lot of times it's in my attitude and I can be a little cynical about things. A little, what's, what's the word, pessimistic. Rather than being an optimist, I can receive it with joy. I know in my own life, and I've, I've experienced this before. I can receive something with joy when everybody's around. But when I'm by myself, I sit there and I wonder. 
I wonder if it's too good to be true. Not that I doubt who Jesus is and what he's done. I fully trust in that, but sometimes to give all those things over can be, can, can be really hard. So I want to, I want to give you something to think about and end right here. We can be tempted with a message like this. Go ahead, David. We can be tempted with a message like this to think, well, how is my neighbor's soil or how is my brother and sister in Christ's soil? And unless they've given you full permission to till, or unless they've given you full permission and invited you in to say, hey, and on an accountability thing, I need you to help me. I mean, I've got some guys in my life, Joe and Drew are two of them, that if I get a little grumpy, or if I get a little too grumpy, they'll be like, dude, you need to chill out. I've told them that, that I need that around me to make sure that my attitude gets kept in check. But other than that, I think 1 Corinthians 2.5 is a good verse to make sure we kind of stay a little bit away of meddling in people's lives and we don't have that permission. Paul wrote this, 2 Corinthians 2.5. And by the way, he had just got done saying, I purpose to know anything. I, I purpose in my heart to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And then he says these words. All of this, my message, my preaching are very plain verse. For rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. So when it comes to the people in our lives, our main job is scattering the seed. Scattering the seed. And by the way, there's those of you who do that in my life. And I want, I want to tell you something. I appreciate it because it works. It works. I told somebody in here one day, boy, you called me on the phone right when I was about to just get mad, Blanche. Um <laughs> And it totally changed my mood. And I appreciated it because you got on the phone, you were bright and chipper, and I'm like, Blanche, I was wanting to get mad. <laughs> and you did that. But I appreciated it. Ru- ruined a hissy fit. <laughs> but Jesus said, I'm not Jesus, Paul wrote this about Christ in his life and moving through his words. He said, I did this so you would trust not in human wisdom, but in the power of God. In human wisdom, we might try to pick through the dirt in the soil of somebody else's life. But it's only in God's power that that good soil becomes 30 and 60 and 100. And I was, I was happy when that little science experiment, I should have put a picture of it up here, when that little science experiment, one of them started sprouting. But when that basal plant got to be five inches tall. I thought about getting like a popsicle stick and sticking it in there and just getting like a like a twisty tie and trying to hold it up because it was just droopy. I didn't know what you do with basil. I don't know. I've never planted it. Um never really planted anything. Most of the stuff I've planted usually dies. Um so I just bury treasure now. Anyways, so the uh that little plant, I was surprised because the same amount of seeds were two or three little sprigs. And this thing started growing in the whole pot. It was like four inches across. I mean, there were sprigs coming up, but even when the experiment was over, we kept watering it just to see what would happen. I mean, it was coming up everywhere. I can't explain it, how tiny little bitty seeds produce that much. And a basil seed is like a mustard seed. It's little bitty. But it's amazing what it does and it's not because of anything I know how to do because there's nothing that I did to make that plant grow except make sure that Ethan watered it and trust me if I didn't do it that plant would have died just like the one without sunlight um so his bee he got on that I feel like I got at least 
80% of it. Anyways, <laughs> so I'm one of those parents. Anyway, so it's God's power working. Now, if we feel God lead us, that's one deal. But this isn't meant for us to sit there and recognize and go, well, that person has a very weedy, thorny soil in their life. It maybe helps us understand why some people don't receive it, why some people receive it and it quickly is snuffed out, and why some people receive it and on the exterior they look like a believer, but there's no fruit. And then why some are just producing, producing. It gives us an explanation, but it's not meant to help us pass judgment. It's to help us understand God's grace. And at the same time, understand God's grace in our lives. Because at one point, we were probably stubborn. And I don't know why I keep thumping my finger in there, but I just do. <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm going to let you take this home and you're going to be going, oh, I get why he does that. Okay, yeah, maybe not. Maybe at some point, it was a little rocky. You got the message, but you didn't want to fully give yourself over to it. Maybe at, maybe at some point, or maybe this is you. Because I think a lot of believers fall into this trap. We trust and believe and we even obey, but there's just something holding us back. So the big question for us today is how is our soil? How is your soil? And maybe, maybe what we need to pray as we go into elder groups, when we go back in the youth group, we'll talk about this a little bit. Maybe what we need to pray is, Lord, if there are weeds in my life, if there are rocks in my life, move them out. I, years ago, we took our youth group in, uh, Ada, I'm sure you time. We took our youth group to, uh, a conference and Mark Matlock, who's a, an illusionist was speaking. It was the old Dawson McAllister thing. It became the Shepherd's Ministries deal and, then it became what was called Planet Wisdom. And Mark Matlock sat at a potter's wheel and shaped a piece of pottery the entire time. And he talked about in that pottery, in that clay, the clay doesn't come perfect. The clay has rocks in it. And even when you begin to mold it and wet it, if you've ever worked with clay to make a pot, it has air caps in it. If you fire a piece of pot- pottery with a stone or air gaps or both in it, It'll shatter. It'll explode even if you're not too careful. So that's why the potter isn't just shaping it. It's working out those little things. I truly, truly believe. Because I believe God can do anything. I believe God can move somebody from one type of soil to another for his glory. I truly, truly, truly believe that. Because this is what we should all want. This is what we should desire. And we want it for our front yard and our house. We want it for our gardens. We want something rich that can grow deep. We should want this for our lives, not for our own name, but for our own sake, in His glory of what He could do through us. Not what we think is possible, which is just onefold, but what He sees as possible which is 30, 60, and 100. I want to pray for you today. Let's bow our heads. Lord, I just pray, as we spend time talking about your word together in the in second hour, that you would help us, that you would help us be honest with ourselves. And if need be, be honest with each other about what is right and what we need 
Or there are areas in my life that I feel you constantly working on and in. And you keep saying to me, James, I am good. Just trust me. I am good. Just trust me. And I thank you for those areas you work in my life where you're working the stones out, where you're pulling the weeds out of my life. And I just pray today that for some that they would feel that freedom, that there were some that would feel the joy of your word. And I pray today, if there's somebody who has never believed for the first time in you as Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of salvation, Lord. I thank you for the time we get to share, not just in your word at first hour, but speaking and praying with each other during second. And it's in your name we pray these things. And amen.